You're listening to the Everyday Addict Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Ariel. The information, opinions, or references shared are not meant to treat or diagnose any medical, mental health, or addiction issue. It's informational and educational only. If you struggle with mental health or addiction issues, please seek help from your doctor, mental health professional, or addiction specialist. Let's get on to the show. Welcome back to The Everyday Addict. I'm Brian. And in the first two episodes, we covered formation of addiction and then what happens to the brain after addiction is formed and that process in the brain of how we may become like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde once the addiction has started, once it's really ingrained into our brain and overtaken our natural drives that have been created in us to help us live and prosper on the earth. Remember we said something about becoming Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, in this episode, we're going to look at the loss of self and identity through addiction and what that process may generally be like. And we're going to really live within this area of um, what makes up personal identity. And that's a great question. What makes up your personal identity? Now, the formation of identity is complex, and there's a lot of theories on how our identity forms and what factors go into creating this individual identity of self. Now, in general, we're going to look at how our identity is formed aside from the more in-depth formation of identity. We're not going to dive into specific theories or formations of identity, but more a general overview of what identity and how it forms and then how we lose that identity through addiction. So one of the things that really helps us form our identity is our self-concept. And this is where we really gather a sense of who we are based on our opinions and beliefs about ourselves. And we gain this, our opinions and our beliefs about ourselves through interactions with others. So like family, friends, and community relationships, those really help us form how we see ourselves and what we believe about ourselves. And sometimes we're either accepted or rejected by these groups. And that really largely determines how we might view ourselves in the context of our relationships and lead to the formations of those opinions of ourselves and what we believe about ourselves. Now, how would this work? Well, let's let's imagine a supportive, loving family that lives in a, a small town or a city. It doesn't matter where. And if the general interaction in the family and the community that the person finds to be both positive and encouraging, the better the opinion they might have of who they are and how they fit into these roles in their lives, especially how they see themselves. Do they see themselves as a confident person that can do things on their own? Or does the person feel um, connected to the community and they feel like they have something to offer? Well, yeah. Yeah. That that person will feel confident in their abilities and secure in knowing their place within the community, their family, and their friend groups. And this person would generally, uh, in relation to others, would have confidence in knowing who they are, who they think they are, and how do they fit in. So this would be an example of a secure identity, and that generally leads to healthy self-esteem. Now imagine, on the other hand, a not-so-loving family, same small town or city, 
And there's often conflict in the family and the community because the family or person is outside of the normal interactions within that family or community. If this person is in conflict with the community and is viewed as a troublemaker or has difficulty making good connections with people, this might lead to an insecure formation of identity. And this person would not feel comfortable in their, in their interactions or their view of their self. They might feel like they're a loser or they're inadequate in some way. They may lack self-esteem and not feel connected to others or the community. And they really won't know or won't know how they fit in and what their role is. So they're kind of drifting, if you might say, drifting in and out, unlike the person with the more uh, community and family roots who has a sense of who they are and how they fit into things would be more secure than the insecure one, really not knowing how they fit into all this whole community, their family, and what they're supposed to do. What's their role? You know, they may vacillate between different things and be on a search for who am I and why do I matter? And we'll get to that a little bit later. But you may ask, well, what does this have to do with addiction? So as we discussed in the previous episode on the formation of addiction, there are social, family, and friend influences that can make us more prone to forming addiction or seeking out behaviors or substances. Either examples that we just went over with the families, they can still have issues with addictions. There's no boundaries or zip codes or level of money or power that can protect you from forming an addiction. However, the differences between the two are measured in risk levels. Even though both can struggle with addiction, there are less risk factors in the person who has a secure identity than the one who has an insecure identity formation. Both of these rely on experiential learning and interacting with our friends, family, and community. And if our experience is positive, there might be less of a risk of the formation of addiction than compared to if we've had overall negative experiences in those same circles. So one circle we're in kind of the social norm and we're in and we understand who we are within our role of our family, our friends, and our community versus the other side, we're really not sure where we fit into our family because we really don't know, am I the, uh, the child who takes care of my parents? Am I a parent child? Am I an outcast in the community because my behaviors don't match with the standards of the community? Am I rejected by my friends and the only one that I can, the only people that I can actually uh, interact with are the ones that are on the outside also. So there's a lot that goes into this interplay on the formation of identity and how one might lead us further into the risk of addiction where the other one, the risk factors aren't there as much. So even though we may have a really good sense of who we are and why we matter and kind of our place in where we live, it doesn't mean that we still can't be affected by addiction. And that doesn't mean that we cannot still lose ourselves, our identity in addiction. Well, with addiction, over time, we eventually lose who we are. And if we never really had that secure formation of the identity, we still may be in search of how we fit into life. And we may take on a new identity very easier than the one that has had a secure formation of their identity. And it, they have a sense of who they are and what they want. 
So this example might sound a little bit like, I used to know who I am, but I don't know anymore. I've heard people in treatment say that, wow, man, I used to do all these things. I knew what I wanted. I knew who I was. I knew how I fit in. Man, I was really in touch with myself, but man, over the time, I don't know who I am anymore. And that you, you will hear that commonly. People that struggle with addiction, whether it be substance or behavior, will say, I don't recognize myself anymore. I don't know who I am. And contrast that with someone who may have never really known who they were and have this insecure formation of identity. They, it might sound something like this. I never really knew who I was or how I fit in. But once I started getting high, I found friends. And that's how I identify now is I am a drug addict. And they rest with that. It's an okay thing for them. It's not this shameful thing. Because now they found where this is where I fit in. Now, I hope this makes sense. Now, overall, in addiction doesn't matter if we are secure or insecure in our identities. We can lose our identity or we form a new one because our, our opinions of ourself and our belief has changed based on the input from our family, friends, and community. Now, if these are negative in nature due to our addiction, then this conflicts with whom we think we are. And then we take on this new identity. Well, I'm a meth addict. I'm a heroin addict. I'm a scrub. I'm, you know, I'm nobody. I'm a criminal. This is what I'm going to do. And this is where I live. So we take on this new identity and the labels or descriptors of the behaviors that are assigned to us. And that sometimes we see ourselves as those labels and we live them up. Sometimes people will say, well, if I'm a criminal, then I'm going to act like a criminal. I'm going to be a criminal. I'm going to be the best day on criminal that you've ever seen. And so we live up to the label, even though we don't believe that these things are truly us. And after a time, these become a self-reinforcing mantra that we tell each other, that we tell ourselves, in fact. And we start to do these behaviors because now I'm living according to how I've been labeled. I have taken on a new identity, not my true identity of who I was before, or even finding my true self, even if I didn't know exactly how I fit into things. So this reinforcing might sound like all I'll ever be is an addict. Everyone thinks I'm a loser. So I'm a loser and I'm going to live like one. So we end up taking on what we think, what we believe about ourselves. We start to live that pattern or we embrace it. And we say, I know who I am now. I'm a stoner. I'm a criminal. I'm a throwaway person. I'm a piece of crap. And you know what? I'm just going to be that because I found myself, I think. Or I always knew I was a bad person and now this just proves it. I am a bad person. And once that takes hold, that's how you're going to live. How you think really affects your behaviors and how you see yourself and how you will actually act out on these things. So if we feel negative or we think negatively about ourselves and we've lost our true identity of who we are and how we fit in, then that's who we're going to be. We're going to be the alcoholic. We're going to be the heroin addict. We're going to be the meth head. We're going to be the drug dealer, the criminal, and so forth and so forth. And we've lost that true connection with what are our values? What do we believe about ourselves? So I may believe that, 
you know, early on, I was a very good person. And the things that I did were very noble and they were kind. And, and I would identify myself as those things, very noble, honorable, and kind. But over time, the addiction starts to take over. Like we talked about the formation of addiction. And now I'm fighting biology and I'm doing whatever it takes in order to get my next high or to get what I need in order. So for me to feel better, if we remember back to that second episode of the hijacked brain. I am no longer myself. I have lost my identity of who I am and now I'm being driven not by reason, not by intellect, but by straight unadulterated drive, animalistic type drive. I am just doing what I'm programmed to do, what I've reprogrammed my brain to do. And with these behaviors and these thoughts, like we said, it becomes self-reinforcing. All I want to do is get high. All I am is a drug addict because all I want to do is get high. And there's that disconnect with what's happening in the brain. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Well, obviously I'm a bad person. I'm a stoner. I always knew all I'm ever going to be is an addict because that's all I know. So here we go. I'm going to live in my pit. Addiction makes this process of finding yourself or finding your true self really hard. Because of the negative reinforcing messages that we hear or we think about ourselves. Because our self-opinion and our belief about ourselves has changed based on the input that we're getting. Even though we may be very secure and we eventually did know who we were and how we fit in, but we lost it somewhere. It became hidden from us. It was either given away or we t it was taken away from us. And we can't find it again. But there's something in us that says, you're not who you're supposed to be. And we get into this value conflict. We don't know what to do. And it becomes very hard and a very emotional thing. So the one thing that we know to do, if we remember to impulsivity and compulsivity, we're compulsed because I feel bad, therefore I must get high, then reinforces this, well, I'm an addict and that's all who I'm ever, that's who I'm going to be. So a part of our journey into recovery would start defining self apart from the substance. So a great question is, and I used to ask this to guys in treatment, who are you without your substance? And many people don't know how to answer that question. Who am I apart from what I do? I don't know. You know, if I was to ask someone, who are you? What makes you you? Well, I'm a father and I'm a brother and I, you know, work this job. No, that's not what I asked. I didn't ask what you do. I asked who you are. What are the things that make you who you are? And that goes right to the core of our self-concept and how we believe and what we believe about ourselves. If I'm to ask someone, who are you? What are the things that make you you? Well, I don't know. You might get this answer. I don't know. All I know is that I am a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a thief. I'm a drug addict. I don't know. At one time, I was a good person, but right now, I, I, I don't even know. These are the things. This is how I see myself. And a lot of times, that's what we're struggling to overcome in treatment is, how do you see yourself when you look yourself in the mirror? Do you see someone who has got a future or is your future blank? Who are you without your substance? Now, anybody would struggle with identifying that. And often we do on our personal life, even without substances or anything else going on. If we're to ask, who are you? Um, I'm, and we'll tend to 
classify ourselves according to what we do and not the traits that make us who we are. And in this journey, we've lost ourselves and now we're going into treatment and we're going to try to find a sense of ourselves again. And this is very difficult because you're hearing all these negative messages and you have negative beliefs about yourself. And one of those negative beliefs would be, I can't trust my decision making. I am a horrible person. My life will never be better again because of the things that I've done. All things that become this self-fulfilling prophecy that we tell ourselves over and over and over again. And then we rest and we say, I don't know who I am. And this is too hard of a question for me to answer. So I know how to answer this question through my compulsion. I am uncomfortable because I don't know who I am. So you know what? I'm going to get high. I'm going to avoid life for a little while. And I'm going to just hit the pause button and hopefully this question will just go away. But it's deeper than that because we have internal values that we live by. And if we've lost our values and we've lost this sense of who we are, the security of knowing who I am in relation to my mother, my father, my brothers, my sisters, who I am in relation to my friends and who I am in the community as a whole, when we've lost those things, we really don't know where we stand or who we can be. What role do we play? And a lot of times people get frozen by that because they're unsure. Well, who am I? Well, I don't know who I am. I know I'm a drug addict. So we're living again in the label and the descriptor of our behavior. You are not a drug addict. That is something you have a, an acquired disease that needs to be managed. You're not fighting a moral thing. You're fighting biology. It doesn't change who you used to be. You've lost a sense of who you are and why you matter. How do you fit in? And a lot of times that's what we do in treatment. It's not just about not having the substance. Because if we remove the substance, the person is still has this sense of feeling displaced and broken to the point where they don't know what, what they should do, who they should be, but they have everybody squawking in their ears. Well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And you just need to stop. And they need a minute to really identify their core values and their core beliefs, not just about things around them, but themselves. What do I believe about myself? That's a very tough question. Now, even if you were to go up to the mirror and you were to look yourself in the face and ask yourself this question, who am I? Why do I matter? And see what feelings come out. Can you answer these things without using the uh, classifiers of, well, I am a mother and I'm a father and I'm this and I'm that. But who are you? What are the things that make you who you are? Now, I've done this over years and it was hard for me to answer. Who am I? Why do I matter? So I asked myself the first question, who am I? What are the things that make me who I am? Well, I'm a passionate person. And sometimes I'm very stubborn and I don't take correction or direction very well. And I have to find my own way. And sometimes I have to make my own mistakes. That's a part of me. That's a part of the traits that make me who I am. Now, what makes my personality? Sometimes I use humor to deflect 
anger or pain because I know that anger and pain may not roll well with others. So I go along to get along. But how do I deal with that? How do I deal with the internal struggle? Well, I've learned that there's some things I need to let go and just accept and be willing to say, this is that person and that is fine. I am okay with them being who they are and I am okay with me being who I am. But a lot of times it goes really deeper, way deeper than that. And one of the ways that we can regain a sense of self is through different practices. And it might be as simple as going back to church. Connecting with your faith would be a way to reinforce your values or to find values that are important to you and to find those values that can guide your life. Because maybe I don't know anymore. I don't know right from wrong. So maybe if I go to church or I go to temple or I meditate or I follow some uh, spiritual principles, I might find that my values have changed and maybe some of them have moderated or maybe I found new values. But now I'm able to, without the substances, I'm able to see who I am. I'm able to wrestle with that question. Am I comfortable with being me? Sometimes the answer is, yes, I'm completely comfortable with who I am and me being me. But the answer to that is, are others okay with you being you? Because we can be ourselves and just not give a rip about how it affects other people. And then we can be mindful of it and we can modify our behaviors over time and get a sense of who we are and how we fit in. So overall, this is probably a very general overview on this topic, but I think and I hope that it really strikes a chord with you in understanding how someone could lose their identity of self within their addiction, how our view of ourself and our belief of ourself can change over time. And if we understand how A, we form an addiction and B, what happens in the brain and and our natural drives are overtaken or hijacked, this is where we live right now today. Who am I? Who am I without my drug? Who am I without getting high? Who am I without my little crutch to help me through my depression, my anxiety, my PTSD, my overall trauma, or with just me not knowing what to do with myself? So who am I and why do I matter? Where did I go? You may wake up one morning and you're on the side of your bed and you're like, Wow, um, I don't even recognize who I am. I, I don't even know what's going on with me. Well, that, that's a scary place to be. When you come to that realization, I, I think of a lot of times the, the parable, the prodigal son, where he goes off and does all this stuff and just is like, hey, man, I'm living life to the fullest and I'm, I'm wasting all my money, but I'm having a great time. And we can see that he loses himself. He loses his identity to the point of one day he wakes up eating in a pig's trough and says, who am I? What have I become? What? How did I get here? Well, I know that if I go to my father's house, even his, his servants eat better than I am. His servants live better than me. And maybe if I go back to home and I ask for forgiveness, I'll be accepted back. And that kind of illustrates the journey of loss of self in our addiction and that that question of how did I get here? Who am I again? Well, I know where I can go. 
I can go back home. I can go seek help. I can go and reestablish this journey on seeing who I am and how do I fit in. So the parable of the prodigal son holds a lot of this concept that we are talking about today. But it's a very cool story about losing identity and then coming back and then restoration. The restoration of relationship, the bringing back into and re-solidifying this new identity, this more healthy identity of who I really am and why do I matter. So hopefully today was beneficial and you got something out of this. And I, I really hope you did. The important thing is, is that we move forward and maybe we found out some new things that we never really thought about addiction and how we can lose our identity. That's it for today. You can find us on The Everyday Addict. We have a Facebook page. We're on Spotify, iTunes, for pod, or Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio and Buzzsprout.com. We can be reached at number 8 at gmail.com. Again, that's number 8 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful week.